Hello, and welcome to episode 62 of the Mo Money Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Morehouse. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with my guest who I actually got to finally meet in person um, a few weeks ago, I guess. Uh, that's when FinCon 2016 was. I'm talking about Mrs. Frugalwoods. Not her real name, obviously, or maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe she's changed it recently. But uh, she is uh, one half of the bloggers from frugalwoods.com. She blogs with her husband, Mr. Frugalwoods. And they're a whole um, concept behind the blog blog is all about simple living and frugality and it's awesome there's a lot of great stuff on there and i've got to say i was a super fan and i met her at fincon and she was absolutely just what her brand is she is so genuine and so nice and friendly and she even invited me to visit her on her homestead in vermont which i may take advantage of because i've always wanted to have a reason to go to vermont and it's not that far away from toronto so we'll see so we've got a great episode ahead and first before we get to that interview i want to thank lowest rates for sponsoring this episode where you can find the lowest rates in canada on lowestrates.ca, whether you're looking for rates for your mortgage, auto insurance, life insurance, or more, you can find it just like that. And it's free. So lowestrates.ca, guys, check it out. All right. And now on to my interview with Mrs. Frugalwoods. Thank you for joining me on the show today. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on the show. And I, I know you also uh, podcast yourself, right? You've got a podcast you're a part of. I, yes, although I claim no real technical (laughs) ability, I just get to talk on a podcast once a month. So I don't, I don't have to record it or plan it, which is great. (laughs) Yeah. And what is that podcast called? So that is Martinis in Your Money. And that's uh, Shannon over at Financially Blonde hosts that. And it's a, it's a great podcast. That sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) Martinis and Money are my two favorite things. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, let's kind of, uh, I'd love to share your, the reason I reached out to you is you have such a great uh, story that I think a lot of people can, uh, well, either relate to or just dream of. I personally have dreamed about doing what you've done. So, but let's kind of start from the beginning because you have an awesome about page on your website that really goes into uh, detail about who you and your husband are and and kind of your values and uh, why you have done what you've done. So it seems kind of like even from college, you were pretty frugal. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So we have really both sort of been frugal by nature. We were frugal kids even. And mm-hmm. so it's it's something that has just been kind of ingrained in us throughout our whole lives. And then meeting each other, I think we only reinforced it in one another. So it's, you know, we were frugal to a degree, but then when you couple with someone who is similarly frugal, I think it, it just really augments the, those values. And that's mm-hmm. kind of always been a cornerstone of our relationship and of our marriage is Um, being very mindful with our money. So it does come naturally. And so extreme frugality was kind of just another little step um, in in the journey for us. Mm -hmm. Well, that's nice because I feel like a lot of people struggle when they meet someone, everything, you know, all the boxes are ticked. But then when you kind of talk about money, you can find out that they're the complete opposite. They're a big spender or they have a lot of debt or they just don't care to be involved in anything money related. So that's kind of that sounds nice to have someone who's on the same page as you. 
Yes. Yeah. I think it's, I don't think that you necessarily have to be on the same page at the outset with a partner, but, I, but getting there, I think is mm -hmm. paramount because it's, you know, how you spend your money is how your life will go. And so I really, I see, you know, the way that people manage their money, that's the way you're managing your life. Mm -hmm. And your destiny is, is very closely tied to how you spend and save. And so if you have those similar goals, you know, if you, you and your partner are both interested in, say, sailing the world, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's wonderful. You share that goal. And so then you also should be sharing your financial goals so that you're, you're reaching that destination and it's, it's a feasible thing for you. So, you know, I think people who don't find out, don't find a partner who's on the same page at the outset. I wouldn't fret because I, I think you can get there. And I think it's because I think it's much more about what you want out of life. Absolutely. Which is something that, you know, maybe you don't bring up at the beginning of a relationship, but definitely when you're getting a bit more serious, that's when you've got to be like, so what do you want out of life? What do you see for yourself? I don't necessarily see myself retiring early, but I think me and my husband definitely have the same goals in that we want to see how far we can go in both of our careers, even though they're very different careers, you know, we're very career oriented in this stage of our life. And eventually we do want to maybe retire earlier than we need, you know, we uh, have to and just kind of travel. I think that's, you know, for us, it's a big reason why we do save and, you know, um, also live fairly frugally is because we want to save as much money so we can afford, you know, to go on trips. Absolutely. And, you know, frugality, it's really not about retiring early because a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to retire early. And it's not really about that. It's about having freedom. It's exactly. about not being tied to a paycheck. It's about not being beholden to debt payments every month. It's about, you know, looking at your life and thinking, oh, wow, you know, I can kind of do whatever I want because I'm not in a position where I have to keep a certain job, you know. And so for me, I've, I've already retired, but I continue to write because I love it. You know, and I, I don't make nearly as much money as I did at my career, but it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm doing something that I love, and I'm also staying home with my daughter. So it's it's very much about having the, the options and the flexibilities flexibility um, that, that having savings can grant you. Absolutely. It's about having more choice. And like you mentioned, you're retired, but you still work because that's a choice that you and, and kind of a luxury. You can work if you want to and you don't have to, but you want to, right. which is uh, that sounds lovely. I think there's lots of people who um, I mean, I feel like my husband, he's an audio engineer and he loves music. That's his thing. And I don't he always jokes. He's like, I'm never going to retire because he loves what he does. And yeah. maybe that's. I mean, maybe he's already he's already retired right now, but he's just doing what he loves, and I'm the one that's working the nine to five. Absolutely, I think if you're in a position where you're doing what you love and you happen to be getting paid for it, that mm -hmm. is a great position to be in, and you should keep doing that. Yeah, no, that's true. Once like once the blue moon, he'll kind of reflect, be like, I can't believe I get paid for this. <laughs> that's the kind of wonder, and that's how I feel about writing. I'm like, I can't yeah. believe you're paying me to do this. You know, that if you have that feeling, then I think you you've got yourself in a in a good position. But, you know, that being said, I, I think jobs can disappear. You know, and that's mm -hmm. something that we saw shockingly here in the U.S. in 2008 that, you know, careers that people assumed were very secure all of a sudden evaporated. And so that's kind of my, my other side of why I encourage frugality is, you know, you may love your job and you may be doing wonderfully, but you're not necessarily in control of, you know, the broader economy. If you are, let me know, because that'd be 
great, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and it's, and we just, we don't know what's going to happen. And so I, having that, that safety net is a real comfort to me. And it's a real cushion that you can give yourself. It's like giving your future self the best gift ever. Absolutely. And I think especially when you do kind of embrace frugality and really know what to do to kind of live on a very, you know, fixed budget, you know, say, you know, my kind of thing is, you know, no matter how much money you make, you should never really inflate your lifestyle if you can and kind of live as cheaply as possible. Because, yeah, you don't know what could happen. You could get laid off unexpectedly that, you know, just like you mentioned, like there's a lot of uh, people that think that they, ha- you know, have a secure job and then something happens and they don't have the cash because they thought they had another paycheck or several paychecks coming. So Absolutely. if you can kind of create those habits early on, mm-hmm. you'll be mm-hmm. kind of fine if something like that happens. Absolutely. And it's something that's even more apparent to me now that we have a child because it's, you know, uh, we have to provide for her and care for her. And so, you know, in the past where, oh, it might've been inconvenient for my husband and I now, you know, we have someone else we have to be thinking about. So it's, it's very important to us that we have, um, that reserve and that, that cushion to fall back on. And I think, um, particularly in families where you do have one parent who's staying home, uh, you want to be saving as much as you possibly can of the salary that's that's coming in. Mm-hmm. Now, so after you you were uh, kind of lucky because you you went to college and you were able to uh, graduate debt free, right? Yes, we did. So, so that's awesome. The way that we did it, it's a really boring answer. We <laughs> went, it's people ask like, "Oh, what did you do?" We went to a cheap school. I yeah. mean, honestly, at the end of the day. We that went helps. To a really inexpensive state school, the University of Kansas, and unfortunately, their tuition is a lot higher now than it mm-hmm. was um, when we went to school oh, ten years ago. But um, <laughs> but there, you know, there are inexpensive, really great state schools, and you know, you don't have to spend sixty thousand dollars a year on um, a private school education. And so that that's kind of the the first point is that we went to a cheap school and then we did have scholarships, not a ton of scholarships. Mm-hmm. We're not brilliant, but we had a couple scholarships and we also both worked. So we, we had jobs on campus throughout college and, um, you know, we weren't really saving much money at that time, but we were breaking even every month. Um, and, and, uh, our parents also helped us out because the tuition was so inexpensive. So it kind mm-hmm. of is, it's kind of that origin point of, you know, pick a school that's not that expensive and then you don't have to get into the cycle of taking out a lot of loans. Exactly. And, you know, similar to uh, your situation, I went to the school I wanted to go to, but me and my two sisters, actually, we all went to the same university, Simon Fraser University. And one of the big reasons was because it was close to my parents' house. We both lived at home or we all lived at home when we were going to university. So we saved a ton of money because we didn't have to live away from home. Yes. Yeah. That's another great way to to save money. Absolutely. So you were able to graduate debt free and then you were able to get uh, a pretty good job or kind of a a job that was able, you were able to kind of climb the corporate ladder, so to speak, right? Yes. So, um, you know, my first job out of college, I actually made $10,000 for the year. Oh, the whole year uh, (laughs) because I was doing AmeriCorps, uh, which is the Peace Corps in the United States. Mm -hmm. And the reason I did that was partially because I, you know, I'm really altruistic and I really wanted to help people, but also nobody else would hire me. Mm-hmm. So I, I had <laughs> something, I had applied for something like 60 jobs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the cycle that you get trapped in is that every employer wants experience. So how yeah. do you get experience to get your first job, mm-hmm. um, you know, to have a resume to prove that you should be hired. So I, 
I was caught in this cycle of not being able to find a job. And I, mm-hmm. um, a friend turned me on to AmeriCorps and I thought, oh, this is perfect. I can do something. I can give back, but I can also gain uh, experience. And I was able to start a career in nonprofit fundraising. So uh, my husband and I have actually both always worked for nonprofit organizations. Mm-hmm. And um, so that, that first year of earning $10,000, um, I was able to save $2,000 of it. And That's pretty good. So you lived off $8,000? I did in New York City. Um, what? Part of AmeriCorps is that they give you food stamps. Okay. Uh, so I ate uh, exactly what the food stamps covered, and I lived very cheaply. Our rent was very... very well, I'm like, where did you live? How could you... Because um, it's like, in, rent is crazy expensive there. Yeah, we lived in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, um, mm-hmm. which at the time was... Uh, uh, a neighborhood in transition. Mm, mm-hmm. And it was, it was a very interesting experience. I, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very grateful that I have that experience in my life because it's, um, you know, it's not a place that it's not a neighborhood that I would probably live in again. And it, it just gave me an opportunity to, uh, really broaden my horizons and kind of step outside of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was uh, it was a it was a very interesting year, and uh, from there I was able to get other positions with nonprofits. I think my next job paid like maybe forty thousand dollars a year. Okay, that's a big jump from ten thousand. Like, this is fantastic. <laughs> so, so you know, I was able to save even more. Um, and my husband had kind of a similar trajectory after college. So we sort of started with very low paying jobs, but we were able to safe. You know, the key is that we started with no debt and we, we just never had debt. That's awesome. Uh, so when we got married, I think we had maybe $8,000 between us, mm-hmm. between the two of us. And we just kept saving. You know, we, we didn't start with very much money. We didn't have gifts from family or trust funds or anything like that. It, it was really just kind of, okay, we're basically starting at zero. Let's just save and, and go upwards from here. Mm-hmm. And there is that old kind of old saying, it's not how much you make, it's how much you save. And I think lots of people kind of get hung up on, well, I don't make enough to save. It's like, well, you know, I yeah, similarly, I didn't make $10,000 my first year uh, after college or anything like that. But I did my, I think I took home like 30000 But again, I was living in an expensive city and I had like $200 uh, when I moved out. I'm like, oh, re- I need to start saving as much as possible. <laughs> I do not want to move back in with my parents. And so, yeah. you know, it was a tough year and I definitely lived as frugally as I ever have, but I mean, it was possible. It wasn't impossible. Like it was fine. And I had a great, you know, time living on my own that year. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like willpower is a, a big component, I think. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, I, it's funny cause I really, I'm the frugality champion, but then <laughs> also I actually really do come back to, okay, so you need to make more, you know, yeah. if you're, if you're finding that you're not able to save at the rate you want to, how can you make more? You know, should you change careers? Can you advance in the career you're in? Or can you take up uh, work on the side that mm-hmm. will bring your, your income up? Because it is true. There, there is a cap. You know, at a certain mm-hmm. point, you really are limited by how much you make. And that's, that's what I hear from people who are really embracing extreme frugality, you know, who want to save something like 70 or 80% of their income. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not possible unless you're making enough <laughs> to support yourself. You know, you have to eat, exactly. you have to, you have to live. Um, and 
so I do think there, there is kind of that misconception sometimes that frugality is anti earnings. I get mm-hmm. that a lot. Like, Oh, you're, you're against people making it. No, no, I'm not against you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about, it's about saving the money that you have made. Um, and I think there's a lot you can do to manage your career, uh, with an eye towards augmenting your earnings in you know, in whatever profession and whatever field you're in. Well, exactly. And I think even having that mindset of, oh, maybe I should get a side job to help me earn a little bit extra, that might actually even help your career. I know it has for me in terms of like I work in digital marketing, but I started off working more in advertising sales. And, you know, my one of my side hustles was uh, my blog and that helped me in my career. So you never kind of know where that little, you know, uh, side job that is just some extra income might come into play later on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So you and your husband eventually, you know, got kind of better paying jobs. At what point did you decide to kind of change everything and uh, ditch those jobs and move to the woods? <laughs> <laughs> so we, let's see, we got married in 2008 and we lived in this little basement apartment um, outside of Boston for years while we saved for a down payment on a home. We knew that we wanted to buy a house in Mm -hmm. uh, Cambridge, both to live in, but also because we saw it as a great uh, real estate investment. Mm -hmm. The the real estate market there is just white hot. And it's something like 64% of all units in Cambridge are rented. Uh, So yeah, so there's just a really robust market because Harvard is there, MIT Mm -hmm. is there, um, as well as a number of other universities. So you constantly have graduate students, postdocs, PhD students coming through who need short term housing. Mm -hmm. And so they rent. Um, And so you have, you know, kind of a very, very highly qualified very transient um, rental population. And so we thought, okay, if we can buy a place that we could live in and then eventually rent out, that would kind of be uh, a way for us to uh, have another revenue stream. And we didn't quite have the homestead dream in mind, but we just kind of thought, okay, you know, this would be, this would be a good idea if we can save enough for a down payment. And so we started saving and saving. And as you can guess, housing prices are pretty high. So it felt, this felt ridiculous at the beginning. I mean, we have like $8,000, you know, these Mm -hmm. houses are a studio apartment is like $350,000, right? So there's no low end of this market. You know, you're not buying anything for $150,000. There's nothing. I feel you. I feel you. The market in Toronto is ridiculous. Like houses are actually a million dollars. (laughs) Oh yes. Yes. Single family homes are. Yes. Yes. Um, it's, it's obscene. Mm -hmm. So we thought, okay, this is like, this is ridiculous. What are we even doing? We're never going to be able to save that much, but we just kept going, you know, Mm -hmm. we just kind of kept socking away our money every month and watching the little graph, you know, in Fidelity, Mm -hmm. they have this nice little graph of your net worth. I mean, and it just inched up, you know, it was like $10,000. Then we had Mm -hmm. $10,500. I mean, it was really quite incremental, but we kept at it. Um, and we moved to Washington, DC in the middle of that time period. And I decided to do my master's and work at the university where I was getting my degree so that Mm -hmm. it was paid for. Nice. Um, Wanted to do a master's, did not want to pay for it. Uh, so we were still renting, we were still renting, um, a pretty inexpensive place in DC. And then when we decided to move back to Cambridge, we were then able to buy a house. So we had finally um, scraped together enough for our down payment and we bought a house and we moved in. And then we thought, oh my gosh, what do we do next? <laughs> because 
this had been, you know, kind of, uh, it was 2012 at this point. This had been kind of the defining goal for us for a very long time. Um, and now that it had happened, we realized we need to kind of create something new to work towards. We need kind of a higher purpose for what we're doing. Um, and so we thought, okay, well, we're pretty happy in these jobs. Let's just kind of keep going. Let's sort of see where this takes us. And we realized after a while that, you know, we like cities. We've lived in cities for a long time, but we were leaving the city every weekend to go hiking. Mm-hmm. And we'd had this sort of love of hiking spurred in us. And we thought, okay, we're living in the city, but we're leaving all the time to go to the woods. And we keep saying, oh, if only we lived in the woods. Mm-hmm. And then we started to say, yeah, if only we lived in the woods and realized that we could actually make that happen. Um, mm-hmm. So in I now... Now I'm going to get confused on my dates. I think it was 2014 that we mm-hmm. made the decision to leave Cambridge and move out here to Vermont, which happened last month. So oh, we wow. are newly in our homestead here. And it was kind of a, a long decision-making process for us to realize that we were just not fulfilled by mm-hmm. doing the nine-to-five routine and by being in the city where it is kind of this focus on consumerism and it is really a focus on more, more, more. And, um, we thought, you know, our goal really isn't to like buy a bigger house or buy more cars or, you know, have more things. It's just, that's not really where we see fulfillment coming in. And I also just was, we were not feeling passionate necessarily about the work that we were doing and we wanted freedom Mm -hmm. to do more, to explore and to, um, really kind of figure out what it is that we are good at and what it is that we are passionate about. And so that's, that's really what led us to come out here. Mm-hmm. Why'd you choose uh, Vermont? So we did this really long and boring vetting process <laughs> that involved a spreadsheet. <laughs> Everything we do involves a spreadsheet. Yeah, I love spreadsheets. So I think it's a great idea. Even choosing our daughter's name, we had a spreadsheet. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I don't know. It's the only way I can make decisions. So we thought about many different areas in the country, you know, and we looked at things like uh, land prices, home prices, um, the prevailing ethos of of the state, um, you know, the financial health of the area, the school systems, the access to arts and culture. And Vermont just kind of surfaced to the top for us. We love Mm -hmm. the climate. We love um, the people of Vermont. We really enjoy sort of the progressive um, focus on culture that does exist, even in these small towns and even in the small town that we live in, there's a, there's a real focus on community and a real focus on local um, artisans and local craftspeople who are doing work here mm-hmm. in the woods. And it's, it's pretty amazing. We're, we're blown away by the things that our neighbors do. They're just incredibly industrious, inventive people. And I think there's just a spirit of, um, sort of creativity out here that doesn't necessarily that we haven't found in a lot of other places. And um, Vermont also has the great benefit of being pretty close driving distance to New York city and Boston. Mm -hmm. So you do have kind of that halo effect of culture and you also have the opportunity to go and visit those places. We didn't want to be so far removed from big cities, you know, that we could never access them. Um, Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. it was kind of the perfect ba- balance of rural but not remote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to feel isolated. So you seemed like you found a good balance. Yes. 
So what one question I'm, I'm wondering, so why did, because I, I almost feel like, huh, I could totally see you being a tiny house person. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like the perfect kind of minimalist and frugal thing, but you instead you have a house and you have like acres and acres of land, right? Yes, yeah, we have sixty six acres of land. That's a lot. Uh, of it's acres. a lot. Most of it is forested. Yeah, so, you know, we sustainably manage the forest, but we don't have to like do anything to it. It's so funny. My mom was like, "How are you going to take care of sixty six acres?" It's like, well, we don't we don't actually have to do anything. Yeah, most of it is just it's just a forest. Um, we have about two cleared acres around the house that we do maintain, and we have uh, flower beds and fruit trees and berry bushes and a vegetable garden and a barn. Um, and that's like about enough. Two acres is like mm-hmm. that's about enough to manage for us. Um, and the rest of it is just this wonderful woods. But yeah, we're actually not tiny house people, and we're not mm-hmm. really minimalists either, which is very no. shocking to people. Yeah. <laughs> Where I don't know, I I respect the I respect both minimalism and the the concept of of tiny house living. Mm-hmm. Um, I will what say, with you a sh- child and with a large dog, like it's just not going to happen. There's just no way she needs her our daughter needs no her fair. own bedroom. We need our own bedroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you say is kind of the difference between minimalism and extreme frugality? Because I feel like yeah, there is like uh, some people might find those uh, kind of the same, but. Hmm. Um, I, you know, I think, I guess the way that I think about minimalism is, is a real focus on owning very few things. Mm -hmm. And for me, frugality is really a focus on spending only on what matters. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I certainly do not go out and buy a ton of things and I, I don't, you know, encourage people to do that. But at the same time, I, you know, if there's a free desk by the side of the road, I'll probably take it and figure out what I might be able to do with it later. You know, mm. I'll, I'll, I'm actually sitting at a free desk right now, which is <laughs> just that very thing. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's... Uh, no, that makes a lot of sense, actually, now yeah, that you're like, oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I don't, you know, because there are people who sort of, they have one dinner plate and one towel and, you know, one fork. And, I, you know, I think that's a, that must be a freeing way to live. Mm-hmm. you know, to not be owned by your possessions. And I, I very much appreciate that element of minimalism. I think for me, I just, in a lot of ways, I, I think it's easier for me not to be a minimalist, especially with a baby, because yeah. I don't yeah. always get to do the dishes. And so I need another plate that I can pull out. Yes. Yeah. So. No, absolutely. Um, so, so now you, you kind of talked about this uh, at the beginning of the episode, you and your husband still work, but you kind of do it on your own terms. So what do you kind of um, see going forward? The one thing that always kind of almost like is, you know, when you have the idea of like, oh, if I won the lottery, I'd quit my job and then retire early and do whatever I want. And I almost always afraid of like, what if I get bored? Like, what are your kind of, where do you see your, your kind of life now that you've kind of fulfilled again, this big goal? What next? Yes. Well, you know, it's people have asked about that and say, well, if you want to make sure that you'll never be bored, move to a homestead because the list of projects, I mean, it is so long that it's not even written down. (laughs) Started to write it down and it just was obscene. Like it was like two lined pages long. And I said, okay, we just have to stop. We just need to start doing stuff and we'll figure it out. Um, and it's wonderful. We really enjoy, um, living with the seasons and sort of figuring out what it is that we need to do with each season. I'm actually, I'm looking out, my husband is out splitting wood 
Mm -hmm. um, right now, which Mm -hmm. is in preparation for the winter. And so it's kind of, it's a very holistic way of living because you're thinking about what you're going to need months down the road. And you're also trying to really decrease your, um, your environmental impact. So we're trying very much to live as sustainably as we can. So taking trees out of our forest that need to come out because our forest needs to be thinned and then using that for firewood. So finding these, um, these systems that we can become a part of is I think a lifelong vocation for us. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of, there's so much to do out here that, um, it, it would be hard to be bored. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it's, you know, the way that our days go now, we kind of have a balance of working on our computers um, for part of the time and then being outside in the woods for for part of the time, which for me is a really nice balance. I like like having the work of the mind and the work of the body and balancing those out in our days. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I think that our our goal right now is really just just to be here and to enjoy Mm -hmm. it and to learn as much as we can. It's a very steep learning curve, which is fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, do you ever think you'll move back to an urban area or do you think this is kind of, this is it? This I is don't what know. You want? Yeah. I, you know, I never say never because yeah. I, you know, life is unexpected and things could change. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I would imagine that we will be here for quite some time. Um, it's a really, it's a place where we're really looking forward to raising our daughter. We really love the community and the schools mm-hmm. and all the people here. So I hopefully will be here to raise her, but you know, when we're older, I don't know, maybe we'll retire to like a penthouse in New York city. I have (laughs) no idea. You know, I'm not close to anything because I enjoy so many different um, aspects of life. And I, I also love to travel. We traveled quite a bit, um, uh, before we had our daughter, before we moved out here. And so traveling internationally is definitely something I'd like to do again in the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know what, what I really loved about your story is I actually, there are so many articles that keep coming out about lots of young people that kind of live in the city, work a little bit, and then they realize they're just not fulfilled. And they are moving at like lots of people our age are moving out of cities to more, um, you know, farm areas or just, um, just kind of more uh, spacious places. So I don't know. It's, it's definitely kind of one of those dreams I always have. I'm like, huh, maybe I'd be r- way happier if we lived on the, you know, island somewhere. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know. That's kind yeah, of a nice. Always try it out. You know? Well, it's it's nice to know that it's not necessarily a dream because, you know, people like you have actually successfully done it and it's it's possible if you really actually want to do it. So yeah, I think with location independent work, you know, it's people are able to do this because the town that we live in, you know, there are no jobs here, Mm -hmm. but there are quite a few people who work remotely, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, um, which is what my husband and I are doing. It's when you have internet access, you know, you really, it's making, um, geography almost irrelevant that if you don't need to be in an office with your employer, I think people are seeing, Oh, you know, I could, I could really be in a place that I would enjoy living in a lot more and still do the same work. Exactly, exactly. Which is becoming, I think, a little bit more, more easier for people. And, you know, if this is something that sounds like you want to try out, maybe try finding a, a job where you can work remotely. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. It was so awesome and interesting getting to know kind of all the in-depth things with the, your big, uh, you know, from city to country life. Well, thank you for having me. It was fun. 
And that was episode 62 of the Mo Money podcast. Yay! So make sure to dive in to Mrs. Frugal Woods' awesome website at frugalwoods.com. You're going to love it. So many great stuff in there. And also, she's just awesome. So want to you know, help uh, promote and uh, share the wisdom of another awesome personal finance blogger out there. And make sure to check out the show notes. I'm going to put some more details about her, some interesting links in there at jessicamorehouse.com slash 62. And of course, thanks again to today's podcast episode sponsor, Lowest Rates. Make sure to go to lowestrates.ca to find the lowest rates in Canada for your upcoming mortgage or auto insurance, life insurance, whatever you're looking for. It's super simple, super easy, lowestrates.ca. Check them out. And before I wrap up, a big thank you to the people who've been giving me iTunes reviews. I've been kind of being like, hey guys, give me some reviews every episode. And people actually have, and I really, really appreciate it. So guess what I'm going to do this episode? Some shout outs. Yeah, y'all are getting some shout outs right now. First shout out is to Miss Fifi, uh, and she says, this is my favorite podcast. Uh, Jessica has amazing guests on the show, and she's a great host. They talk about a wide variety of money topics in a natural conversation, conversational way, but uh, this podcast isn't just for personal finance nerds. No, it is not. Uh, Jessica covers a wide variety of topics in a way that is entertaining and easy to understand. As a millennial, I relate to a lot of topics on the show, but I think anyone would enjoy this podcast. Well, freaking thank you, Miss Fifi. That was the nicest thing ever. Um, next up, I've got Gizmo Let's Go. Oh, oh, I get it. Um, they say, I stumbled on your podcast by searching for Gail Vazoxide. Well, duh, she's the best. Uh, I really enjoy when you let people tell their success stories about how uh, they are getting away uh, from debt and look forward to the next story. Thank you for doing a great job. I find it very encouraging in a debt-filled world. Thank you. I'm glad you say that because I, I was always like, should I do more debt stuff? Should I not do? So I'm glad it's really resonating with you. That that means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Gizmo, let's go. Uh, next up, eyes wide open with a three as an E. Clever. Um, they say, I was never bored to death binging from episode one to 55. Woo. Uh, you might actually die from joy instead. Oh my gosh. Stop. I'm blushing. Jessica is always excitable. I mean, she just listened to the intros. She will let you know how excited she is. It's true. I do have a tendency to say I'm always excited. Uh, her personality makes this finance podcast very fun to listen to. If you love finance and stories, this is it. Oh, her guests are good too, I guess. First person to make me do a review here. Eyes wide open with a three is an E. You're you're the best. And I like that your title was This Is Life. Because, yeah, this is a big part of my life, too. Um, all right. Last one uh, from Martin J. O'Connor. This awesome personal finance podcast has just been made even more awesome with real life listener stories and interviews. Well worth listening to. Yay. I'm so glad you're enjoying the listener series. I really freaking love them. So I'm glad you love them, too. And I've been getting a lot more uh, emails from people who want to be on my show. So if you uh, listening right now, this second, have a story that you like to share, whether it's about you paying off debt or doing something great with money or anything to do with personal finance, and you want to share it with other listeners, shoot me an email, jessica at jessicamorehouse.com. It's that easy. I will email you back and hopefully we can get you on the show if it makes sense. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. And you know, make sure to send me an iTunes review if you haven't already. Sorry to keep on harping, but it just, I, I love reading them out. Can you like, I mean, come on, it's a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, to wrap up, I guess I have another listener series episode, not tomorrow, 
Psych! I actually have a solo episode um, that I wanted to do because I felt with my first episode of this season all about me buying a house. I didn't really get into the nitty gritty, so uh, a lot has happened uh, since we, me and my husband uh, bought our townhouse, and I wanted to do a special solo episode all about all that fun stuff because it's super fun to own house. So much fun. Okay, see you back here tomorrow. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.